There's this thing called the gift of tongues. Today you're going to need the gift of ears. Uh, I'm going to go fast. Lean forward. You can do it. We're going to make it. Are you guys ready? All right, here we go. So um, one of the discussions that we have, I'm going to give you a little inside baseball that the, the staff has. We want to be a church that equips you to reach your inner circle. But there is a reality. Many of you take yourself out of the game by saying, I can't do this, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. And then where you should be stepping into these places, you disqualify yourself before you ever get on the playing field. Let me say it again. You disqualify yourself before you ever get on the playing field. You say, I don't know enough. Uh, I'm not mature enough. Uh, God can't use me. God can't use my story. God can't. I don't know, but I'm telling you, we are aware there are so many people that could be out doing what we would hope you would do through the power of Jesus Christ, and you disqualify yourself before you even get on the field. Today's message is meant to speak to that. And I want you to hear what's about to happen. And I hope that as you hear this story, you are going to hopefully be, for the most part, persuaded to see something different uh, in this process. This is called Who You Say I Am. By the way, if you have the Bible app, the verses are already on there. Go to your Bible app, go down to events, find Cedars Church, and it's ready to go. So this, who do we say I am? And I'm going to be using a specific person, and I'm going to be using the person of Gideon. Now, the reason why I'm using Gideon is, is that you think I'm going to tell the whole story about the fight that Gideon has. Nope. Uh, it's going to be in the story, but that's not the focus. I want you to see something different about Gideon today, and I hopefully you're going to see something about you today. A few weeks ago, we were going through Hebrews, and we got to the Hebrews called the Hall of Faith, and we read Hebrews 11.32. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell you of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, and David, and Samuel and the prophets. Gideon is mentioned amongst, again, uh, Samson and Samuel and David. This guy Gideon, he gets to be in the hall of faith. Guy, he must have been amazing. He must have been this powerhouse to be in the hall of faith. Yes, he did amazing things, but I want you to see his story specifically because I want you to see how he got there. I want you to see how we get Gideon to the point that he is in the hall of faith. Let's, I want you to see the end of Gideon's life. This is, Gideon, this is Judges chapter 8, verses 28. So Midian was subdued before the people of Israel, and they raised their heads no more, and the land had rest 40 years in the days of Gideon. Man, that's awesome. Under Gideon, they took over over these people called Midian and had rest for 40 years under this guy named Midian, about Gideon. He must have been amazing. And when he dies, it says this, and Gideon, the son of Joash, died in, in a good old age. By the way, may that be true of all of us. And was buried in the tomb of Joash's father in Ophrah of the Abizarites. So again, he gets to live a long life, 40 years. You have literally Israel keeping Midian under control for 40 years underneath him. But how do we get there? We get there in this. That was always not true of Midian. In Judges 6, 2, it says this, And the hand of Midian overpowered Israel. And because of Midian, the people of Israel made for themselves the dens that are in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. What was happening with Midians over Israel is they, they literally, Israelites, fled to the mountains and created caves and strongholds just trying to survive 
what the Midians had done to them. Now, why is this horrible thing happening to them? Let's go back to verse 1. The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hand of the Midians for seven years. By the way, this was foretold that if you do these things, I will punish you. And God used the people of Midian to punish Israel specifically for seven years. That's the seven years of punishment. We're not even talking about the years in which uh, going up to the punishment, how evil Israel had been. But for seven years, God allowed the Midianites just to have their way with Israel to the point that they went, as it says in verse 2, built caves to try to get out of the sight of Midian. Let's see what they did. For whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. They would encamp against them and devour the produce of the land as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance in Israel and no sheep or ox or donkey. Every time Israel would plant crops, they would almost begin to be able to get themselves back on the feet. The Midians would come and take everything. Take everything. Leave nothing behind. And so you have in Israel, these people are just being just, again, year after year, anything they get, they are just getting just ravished. And all that they have that is good is taken from them. Verse 5. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents, and they would come like locusts in number. Both they and their camels could not be counted. When you can't count camels, that's a lot of people. So so they laid waste the land as they came in. Verse 6. And Israel was brought very low because of Midian. And the people of Israel cried out for for the help of the Lord. Okay, so for seven years, Midian is just stomping Israel into the ground. And finally, Israel starts pleading to God. Now we're going to jump down to verse 11. I want to show you this. It says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth of Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abyssalite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. So let's just get the scene. A winepress enclosed. I don't know if you know this about wheat. The way you actually beat out wheat is you do it where there is a breeze. You beat it, you toss it in the air. The air blows the chaff away. What falls to the ground is the grain. That is what you hold on to. It is incredibly painful to actually separate the wheat from the chaff in a wine press because there's no wind. But that's what Gideon is doing. In hopes that the Midianites would not know that they actually had grain, he is working in a wine press trying to feed his family. Trying to feed his family. And an angel comes while he is doing so. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to, the, said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. The Lord is with you, Gideon, and gives him a title. O mighty man of valor. The angel doesn't come to him and say, O you who have done all this evil in my sight, O you who are hiding and fearful. He claims something and states something over Gideon. He calls him O mighty man of valor. Now watch this. In saying that, he is claiming something that is true, by the way, of Gideon, but is not believed. 
He is saying something that is true of Gideon, but is not recognized. He is saying something true of Gideon, but has not shown itself. Almighty man of valor. Now, verse 13, it says this, And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. He asked this question, Why has this all happened to us? Now, I want you to know, this is going to be one of those duh moments. Midian, I mean, Gideon is asking this angel, why? Why has this happened to us? And folks, we've all been there. God, why is this happening to me? Why is this taking place? One of the things, though, that we don't do very often is we don't see the elephant in the room. I'm going to share with you the elephant in the room. We're going to jump down. We're going to jump down and jump back. We're going to jump down to Judges 6, 25. That night the Lord said to him, take your father's bull and the second bull, seven years old, and pull down the altar of Baal that your father has. And cut down the Asherah that is beside it. Why is this happening to us? His father had an altar to Baal. It was so, listen to me, it was so common to Gideon that Gideon could not see this altar to another god was the problem. It was so commonplace to have this other altar to Baal in his backyard that when God, this hand comes and goes, why is this happening to us? You mean because of the altar that you walked around today? The one that you don't even recognize? And I wonder how many things in our own lives are so common to us, so ingrained into us that are not of God and not what he would want for us. And we can't even see it, smell it, or taste it. And we're going to God, God, why are you doing this to me? And God's going, you don't see the altar in your own backyard? You don't see the issue that is standing right before you? That's the answer that is given. That is the answer that is given to Gideon. This is the problem, Gideon. This is happening to you because Israel has put altars of Baal in their own backyards. So let's go back up. To verse 14. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in, the might of, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. Now notice, he's already called him a man of valor. Notice the next thing he says, go in this might of yours. This leader is speaking truth into a young man that does not believe this about himself. He doesn't believe he's a man of valor, and he doesn't believe that he has might in himself. But there doesn't mean that the Lord is not speaking truth to him. Go in this might of yours. You have might. You have ability. You have strength. You don't believe it. You don't see it. 
But it doesn't mean it's not true. Look at verse 15. And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Look what he does. He does the same things we do. This guy calls him a man of valor, tells him that he should go in might, and he goes, uh, my clan is the least, and in my father's house, I am the least. See what he does? He does what we do. Oh, you can't mean me. Of the whole church, you don't want me out reaching my inner circle. You don't want me out really talking about people about Jesus. I, I mean, send somebody smarter, send somebody stronger, send somebody who knows more. Don't send me. I, I can't even put a sentence together. The joke, by the way, in my house, just so you're aware, the joke in my house is away from this platform, I cannot put sentences together, and it is true. My wife has joked that I should have a little mini pulpit in the house so I could actually put a sentence together when I'm talking to her. She goes, I don't know what it is. You can talk from a pulpit. You do fine. You walk away. She goes, we have no idea what you're saying. Now listen to me. That's how you feel. I can't put a sentence together. I can't do this. And what Gideon does is exactly what we do. You can't mean me. I'm, my clan is the least. And of the clan, I'm the least in my family. And the first thing we do is we don't believe the statements that have been said to us by our God. He has already called him a man of valor and already told him that he has mighty works. Verse 16, And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you. I want you just to sit there for a second. But I will be with you. It's not about how good you are. It's about how good God is. It's not about how eloquent you are. It's about how amazingly God can speak through you. If you will hear what has been said about you. And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you. And you shall strike the Midianites as one man. See, the question is who you say I am. And what you think God says about you goes into a far place as to what you think you can accomplish. But I want you to know, I believe this with all my heart, most of you are putting words into God's mouth that he's not saying. God is not saying that you can't. God's not saying that you're not good enough. God's not saying that you are lowly. God is saying other things, and we're going to get to that in just a second. Let's go back into our passage. This is Judges 6, 27. So Gideon took ten men and of his servants and did as the Lord told him. What did the Lord tell him? Go tear down this altar in your backyard. But because he was too afraid of his family and the men of the town to do it by day, he did it by night. Now God's already called him a man of valor. God's already told him that he has might, but he's still fearful, still thinks he's less than. So he does what he's supposed to do, but he does it in the cover of night because he doesn't want to get found out. And a lot of us, when we attempt things, we're like, oh, I hope nobody sees. And maybe we'll do things God's called us to do, but we're afraid of being seen for it. Verse 33. Now all the Mennonites and the Amalekites and the people of the east came together and they crossed the Jordan and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. When it was heard that this altar had been broken down, this group of Midianites, they rallied together and they start coming towards Israel. Okay? Now, I'm going to skip through a couple of things because every other pastor is going to talk to you about the fleece that, 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 that is put out. There's a fleece that, this is the whole thing about putting out a fleece. 
Gideon puts out a fleece that's, that's, uh, that's a sheepskin and goes, if this is true, they make the ground wet, make the fleece dry. And then God does that. And then he goes, uh, just to be double sure, I'm going to do it again. Now make the, the fleece wet and the ground dry, right? He's just, he's like, he is so fearful. He's like, God, you got to prove to me that I am this man of valor that you say I am. And maybe that's where some of you are. You just want God to prove to you that you can actually be the man or woman God's called you to be in the inner circle and the life that he's given you. But here comes this army. I love this part. But the spirit of of the Lord God clothed Gideon. But the spirit of the Lord God clothed Gideon. And most of the time that I've done anything of import, it's because, not because of me, because the spirit decided to use me. But I love the imagery. The spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon and he sounded the trumpet and the Abazarites were called out to follow him. Okay? Now, in this army thing, this is what we find out. 30,000 men came to fight of his clan. 30, because he did Abazarites. 30,000. Watch what happens. I love this moment. Judges 7-2. The Lord said to Gideon, the people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand unless Israel boasts over me saying, my own own hand save me. He goes, here's the deal. You guys are so vile. With your 30,000, if you go into this battle and I give you the battle, you're going to turn around and go look what we did. He goes, there's too many of you. There's too many of you. He goes, I got to make it so that you know that only me and me alone did this. That your hope can be in me and me alone. Not in anything else. Not in your power. Not in your strength. So this is what he does. Now, therefore, proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away from Mount Gilead. Then 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. Two-thirds went, I'm scared and I'm out. 10,000 are like, woohoo, I'm here. Okay? Now, by the way, O man of valor, O mighty one, I'm going to give you an army. Oh no, you got too many. 22,000 leave. As the man of valor at that moment, you're going, we are in so much trouble. Right? From our human strength, we are in so much trouble. Two-thirds just walked away. But you're like, I got 10,000. God can use 10,000. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Excuse me? What? 10,000 against, remember, we can't count them. We can't even count their camels. And 10,000 is too many. And they go through this incredible thing where God goes, take them down to a stream. By the way, when I was in Israel, I got to go to this stream. And those who bent down and put their water up to their mouth, to those who put their face in the water, 10,000. Those who put the water to their mouth, 300. God goes, there's your number. Look what it says. Verse 8. So the people took provisions in their hands and their trumpets, and he sent all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, and he retained 300 men, and the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. Went from 32,000 men to 300, and God goes, that's the number I can use. That's the number I can do something with. Because there's no way people are going to think that 300 men could take on this army. And that's exactly the odds I like. Let me tell you something. Those are good odds if God's with you. Those are really good odds if God is with you. Then I love this part, verse 16. And he divided the 300 men into three companies. So got 100, 100, 100, 100. And put trumpets into the hands of all of them 
and empty jars with torches inside. Not swords, not crossbows, and not bazookas. Trumpet, woohoo. Torch with a jar on top. This is the plan. Verse 20. Then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the jars. They held their left hands the torches, and in their right hands the trumpets to blow. And they cried out, A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. And they blow their trumpets. And this is what happens. Every man stood in his place around the camp, and all the army ran. They cried out and fled. goes on to say, that those armies actually start fighting each other and destroying each other's while 300 guys just keep blowing their trumpets, holding up their torches, and screaming. That's the battle plan. And you have Gideon standing over there going, yes! Woo! This is awesome! Why? Because he was a man of valor, because it took a man of valor to stand with 300 men around a camp with torches and trumpets. It took a man of mighty works that said, yes, I'll do it. Now, I'm skipping over a lot here. There's also a dream that comes in that convinces that yeah, Gideon, that this is going to be successful. But I'm just telling you, it all started because God showed up and looked at Gideon and said, you are a mighty man of valor. So let's look at that. Let's go back to Judges 6.12. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Okay. So here's the story of Gideon. Great. You don't have an army to fight. And you don't have 32,000 men that need to go down to 10, that need to go down to 300. You have your office. You have your neighborhood. You have your family. You have a place. But I'm telling you that you do the exact same thing that Gideon said, said, I'm the least of my clan, I can't do this. And by the way, I think that we're hiding, listen to me, we're hiding in wine presses doing very difficult work because of our fear. Because of our fear. And I want you to know that you're surprised. And I've had people say, Jeff, I don't see the miracles of God. And I'm sitting there going, well, are you in a wine press hiding or are you in a place where you have put yourself where God can use you, almighty men and women of valor? You're going, God hasn't said that to me. God hasn't called me a mighty men or women of, gal of valor. No, he said this, 1 Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a, listen, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you, listen, may proclaim. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He has called you to proclaim to your inner circle. And by the way, he doesn't call you men and women of valor. He calls you a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Jeff, I mean, he, okay, so he said that. But really, is it about me? Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus 
for good works. Folks, trying to figure out how far I want to go with this. You are not meant to be created to be put on a shelf as a display model. You are meant to get into the dirt and get into the mire and be used. You've been created for good works. But around America, we have a lot of people that look really good behind a display case of what a Christian should look like, but they're not getting dirty. And they're not being used. And they're not getting dinged up. And they don't have the worn look of God using them. But he has told you that he has created you for good works and that you are to walk in them. Matthew 5, 14. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Folks, that's you. It's not your neighbors. It's not your parents. It's not your kids. It's you. You are a light. You are a light of the world. And most of us, as the old kid song goes, hides our light under a bushel. He's called you light. And 1 John 3, 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. his child. Let me tell you what happened in the house of Ed and Sharon Harris. My dad was a truck driver. My boys have had to answer, what does your dad do? I've always worried about my boys. You know what I'm saying? Because I got to say my dad was a truck driver. That's like manly truck driver. You know what I'm saying? What's your dad do? He's a pastor. Like, I feel bad for them. Anyway, but in that, (laughs) this doesn't feel as manly but, but I remember talking, I would talk about my dad, and, and, and you got me talking about his truck. Oh, he has a Mac. He did. He had a Mac truck. Ah, oh, he does this. And, oh, they, 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 oh, and I would tell some of the things that he did that I probably shouldn't have told, but it was good stuff. Here's the thing. I'm a child of God. Should I not be talking about my father's business? Am I not proud of him? I'm not prou- am I not proud of what he's done in my life? Again, I've told you this a hundred times. I love being with people, and eventually they'll ask me what I do, and I have to say I'm a pastor, and it changes the whole conversation, and it stinks. I want them to just know me as Jeff, who loves Jesus. That's what I want them to know. Because as soon as I say pastor, then again, like they have to tell me the reason why they don't go to church anymore, and what's wrong with the church, and you got to have these whole big conversations. But I want you to know I'm not in any way, listen to me, I'm not in any way ashamed of the gospel or my heavenly father jesus christ i have been ashamed of some of the things the church has done and i have been ashamed of some of the things that have been done in the name of christianity does that make sense but i've never been ashamed of the gospel and i've never been ashamed of jesus of, of the god who saved me so we uh, for time we could go on so i just did this for you these are all different phrases that are found in the scriptures of god says about you just let me just roll through God leads me into triumph and knowledge of Christ, 2 Corinthians 2.24. Again, this is just a list 
of all the things that he has said about you, O men and women of valor. He said them about you. He has spoken about you. It's a long list. If you read through, you can just Google. That's all I did with this list. Google, what does God say about me? And you will get list after list of what God has said about you. What God has said that is important for you. I want you to know, yes, this is a pep rally to look at Gideon. This Gideon who represents us did not think that he was worth anything, thought he was the least in his clan. And God goes, no, you're a man of valor and you have mighty works. And listen, Gideon stepped into that with 300 men and took on an entire army because God was with him. Ladies and gentlemen of Cedar Church, God has said things over you, and you cannot and should not be saying, I'm not worthy, I can't do it, God can't use me, I don't have the ability. You should be stepping up saying, my God is God, and if he wants me to speak, if he wants me to step into this place, he will use me. Because he says, as it is found in 2 Corinthians 5.20, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. You are ambassadors of Christ. You, mighty men and women who have been, have been, have been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. He has called you his child and has said to you, go. Reach those in your inner circle. Do not take yourself out of the game before it ever begins by the things you're telling yourself that are not true. Because I'm telling you, he uses what we call the least of these. He uses us in our weakness. He uses us in our brokenness. We're really excited. Next week we'll be announcing officially our men's summit. Danny Thompson, my friend, is going to be our speaker. One of the things I love about Danny's story is that Danny, when he was a young kid, had two issues in his life. One is he had a speech impediment. The second thing is, is that it's not a condition. He literally, at the age of like five, looked like he had hands that were like for a 70-year-old. Danny goes, I spent my whole childhood, listen, I spent my whole childhood in fear of two things, speaking out loud and showing anybody my hands. Do you guys understand that? Speaking out loud, showing anybody my hands. If you don't know Danny's ministry, all he does now is speak out loud and uses his hands. He goes, the two things that I thought were the worst things about me, God says, nope, those are going to be the things that I'm going to use to glorify my name. Whatever you think is the worst of you or what you can't do or whatever you think, I'm telling you, we have a God that goes, no, I can use that. And by the way, he doesn't just want to use the worst of us, he wants to use the best of us. Who you say I am. Listen to me. He says of you and of me, you are my beloved. You are my bride. I have chosen you. And I'm coming back for you. And I'm going to take you where you can be with me. But folks, we believe too many lies that we're telling ourselves or we feel that other people have said about us and we need to say, no greater is he who is in me. And may you leave today saying, I am a mighty man and woman of valor. And may you step into the places where he goes, 
go take on that. And I'm with you. And by the way, but I only have. You got enough if you have me. You have enough if you have me. Reach your inner circle. Go after them. You're the best person to do it. Don't look at what you see is wrong with you. Look and see what's right about God. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, let us leave today taking this message that, Father, that you have spoken truth about us, that we in your sight are awesome in your sight. You call us beloved. You have, you have sanctified us, washed us clean. You call us heir. You call us child. You have said we're ambassadors. You have called us to be light. You have called us to go into a world that is darkest and hold up your name. It is not about us. It is about being used by the one who is powerful. And may we do so. May we do so. In Jesus' name, amen.